Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Everybody. Hi, my name is Shane. My name is Kurt. And this is Made You Look, a podcast where we watch an episode of each other's favourite TV shows in order to try and work out why do we love the things that we love? Why, Jane? Why? That's what we're here to talk about. That's what we're here to figure out. Mm. This is episode 61 in season six of our podcast. Hindsight. Hindsight. As we mentioned last week, if you are new to our podcast, please feel free to go back and listen to some of the old episodes. We have many in the back catalogue. If you want, you don't if have you want, to. Or you can just start right from here. But Hindsight this season is actually going to be us talking about previous TV shows that we have already done. On the show before, when we tried to get someone to get into a show, it didn't quite work out. Yeah, some of our less successful made you looks. And this one is from episode two of our podcast. So close to the beginning. So close to the beginning. And way back then, we, I mean, Kurt didn't even know he was doing a podcast. I just sprung it on him. That was an exciting day. (laughs) What an exciting day. So this is kind of going right back to the beginning, back to a time when we weren't too sure what the best kinds of episodes were to pick. And getting another go at it. Getting another go at it, because apparently I picked a dad back then. Mm, I do remember, though, I'm pretty sure this is a show that when you pitched the idea of the podcast to me, you knew without a doubt this mm. was going to be absolutely, one of the absolutely. Shows that you needed to make me watch. There aren't many people that I can chat about my so-called life with. And you want to talk to someone about it. Exactly, which is part of the reason we do this show, <laughs> is so that when there's those shows that you're like, I need to talk to somebody about it, um, we can just force each other to do that. Yes, and so while Jane and I are mates, uh, our tastes can vary quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We do respect and acknowledge good television where its credit is due, uh, but it doesn't mean we're always watching the same shows. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. so it's fun to actually uh, get Jane to broaden my horizons or me to potentially, what's the opposite of broaden? Narrow? Narrow. That doesn't sound good, does it? Don't narrow your horizons. No, I was going to say I might narrow yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a chance for us to, to learn a little bit more about what it is that kind of floats the other person's boat mm. and, and that sometimes helps us to understand why we like the other TV shows and find something that we like ourselves. Yeah, and then maybe see a little bit more in the TV show than we didn't really see on the surface before. Mm-hmm. So, what did you make me watch this week, Jane? I made you watch My So-Called Life. Oh, oh my gosh, this is so 90s. So is it 94? 94. Oh my gosh. Yes, this TV show came out in 1994 and finished in 1995. 
uh, my a little bit of production history, just in case you haven't recently listened to our previous episode, which you don't have to do, by the way. We will refer to it a little bit, not but much. not much. Not needed to listen to this episode at all. No, absolutely not. So this TV show, uh, yeah, like I said, began in 1994. It was a ratings, sorry, not a rating success. It was a critical success. Mm. Everybody loved it. But it was a bit of a ratings flop. Yeah. Um, only one season, right? Only one season. It did, I don't, I shouldn't say it was a ratings flop. It did fine. It did okay in yeah. the ratings. It didn't do spectacularly. And back then shows were expected to do spectacularly. The cancellation of the show after one season was unexpected mm. because the, sh- the first season actually ends on, well, it's a bit of a cliffhanger. It's not much of a cliffhanger, but it's a bit of a cliffhanger uh, because the producers were fully expecting it to come back, but then a combination of factors, firstly around the network not being sure about it because they basically this is before teen programming. It's before the WB, it's before UPN, it's before... It's before the teenagers ruled the television market. Exactly. In terms of central characters and yeah. yeah, it was really unusual for a whole show to be kind of um, centred around, you know, teenagers, particularly, and these are quite young teenagers yeah. too. Yeah, But it definitely wasn't a kid's show either. So they were a little bit unsure about it. The ratings weren't, you know, spectacular and... The possibly one of the biggest nails in the coffin is that Claire Danes didn't want to do it after one season. Mm. She was really young. She was about thirteen when they started That's filming. Right. She's even younger than the character, which I is unusual. Know. And the shooting schedule was really grueling for yeah. her. She was in every scene pretty much. Yeah. And she was trying to do school and everything at the same time. So yeah. uh, she and her parents sort of didn't really want her to come back. Plus she was about to get a massive film career. So, <laughs> you know, um, so it didn't make it past one season, but it is widely regarded as a cult classic, a favorite among connoisseurs of the high school genre. Potentially a turning point. A massive turning point, a massive, massive turning point. It sort of is the first real teen drama, um, particularly first teen drama that focused on a more realistic style of storytelling. So it was not the first teen show, obviously, 90210 came out in about 1990, but it was a big difference because it was focused in drama rather mm. than soap opera and really kind of 90210, if you go back and watch those first few seasons i mean i've given it a go i did not get far <laughs> and that's me talking yeah, yeah as a as a as a somebody who loves teen dramas it was a big turning point i guess is what i'm trying to say mm. into what we now consider to be a very teen saturated market with multiple networks that are purely designed for teen programming yeah like freeform and the cw mm. and which basically win their successes and audiences over by winning the teens exactly yeah, it was a, it's a very important show in the television landscape, despite being a little outdated now. <laughs> uh, shall I provide a bit of context first about the show and then about the episode? Yes, please. So the show concept is pretty simple. It's about a girl named Angela, uh, her family. She has two loving parents and a younger sister, but is sort of your standard teen with standard teen angst. Um, and she has been kind of a, a bit of a nobody in her school for the longest time and in the shadow of her friend Sharon, who was a, who's 
becoming more of a cheerleader and more of a popular girl, she sort of stops being friends with Sharon quite suddenly and starts becoming friends with some more fun, outgoing kind of individual friends uh, named Ricky and Rayanne, and that's sort of the impetus for the television show, um, is her kind of transforming herself into a different person, less shy, more outgoing, and um, with kind of a different group of people. The episode context is uh, Angela's two new friends, Ricky and Rayanne. Uh, well, Angela has these two new friends, Ricky and Rayanne, and her old friend Sharon. And she's friends with all of these people, but she sort of tries to keep her Sharon world separate to her Ricky and Rayanne world, but they keep bleeding together and it makes her very uncomfortable. Mm. Ricky and Rayanne are her fun time friends, but Rayanne's drinking and partying recently started to get very out of hand and she actually needed to get her stomach pumped after a party recently. After that, Angela and Ricky have been focused on trying to make sure that Rayanne stays on the wagon as it is. Angela and Jordan, Jordan Catalano, Angela's longtime crush. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Such a baby face. Before Jared he Leto. was, you know, a creeper. Um <laughs> Uh, so Angela and Jordan have started to get to know each other through kind of her relationship with Rayanne and eventually they started making out even though they don't really know each other terribly well but Angela feels this connection with Jordan perhaps manufactured, perhaps not. <laughs> She's completely oblivious to Brian, her neighbour, who has this sort of resentful crush on her yeah, he's not happy about it, is Yeah, he? he has a crush on her, but he hates the fact that um, Angela ignores him and he's really grumpy about it and he's just generally a stressed-out, annoying person. Uh, we learn a little bit more about that in this episode. We do. We get a little bit of context for that in this episode. Also, tangentially on the Angela's family storyline, Angela's dad recently stopped working for her mother's company um, because of his, as I wrote here, because of his fragile male ego or something. Basically, he couldn't, he didn't love that he was working for his wife. Uh, but he did that also to pursue his passion for cooking. He hated the work as well. Yes, yes. It's always good to follow your passion, not necessarily to have a problem with female empowerment. Sure. Uh, it's really put her mum on edge. Uh, since she's used to feeling very in control of everything and her husband going off and doing these things that she doesn't necessarily know anything about and can't have a say in is sort of making her feel a little bit uncomfortable. Is money at all the issue? No, he's got a, like, a, like a severance or something package. Uh, I think money is not an issue in this episode. Right, yeah. But just, I, just because like that would add a lot more to her character. Yeah, I think there is an element of why are you going to go do something that doesn't necessarily have a measure of success in it. Mm. I think it's a little bit of success. It's a little bit of money. They're kind of, they're okay for the now, but he can't be unemployed forever. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of all this stuff all tied in together. Um, that was my terrible rambly context. <laughs> Please take it away with your episode recap. So Jane got me to watch episode 12, Self Esteem. Mm -hmm. It's nice. It actually has an episode title. I like it does, week. Yes. Some of these episode titles are a little bit cringy, but they're fine. <laughs> I mean, very on the nose. So, Angela is in the boiler room. She's getting her Mac on with Jordan. She's spending all her time down there and not really studying for her classes and studies at the moment. She's struggling a lot with geometry. 
And there's another girl in school who is doing quite, another girl in her class who's doing quite well in geometry, but almost hiding the fact from her boyfriend. A boy. A boy. It wasn't exactly clear, but she didn't want to show that she was very good at her, her class. She wanted also to let him save her. She comes home from school and she's all bubbly and happy and her parents are like, Huh. What? I loved the line of, I refuse to panic just because she's happy. <laughs> although it's alarming, it's terribly alarming. Jordan, although wants to keep their boiler room romance a secret. And in the background, we get one of the many voiceovers. Not too many in this episode. I think it was a really reserved amount of voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Of a statement of being invisible is surprisingly simple. Just let the boys call out the answers, even if they're wrong. Rayanne doesn't think Angela can really handle the boiler room. So Brian is basically being used by Angela. Like, she's asking him to tutor her. He's doing his homework. Like, he's helping her with her homework. And then when he goes to actually help her out, even though he doesn't want to in the first place, he's got his own things to do. His youngest sister, who's incredibly sassy, and I never get enough of her in the show, <laughs> just tells him, plain and simple, that she's gone to Buffalo Tom a place that she had overheard Jordan going to with his mate earlier. I think Buffalo Tom is the band. Buffalo Tom is the band, sorry. Yeah. She just said basically Buffalo Tom and closed the door. Yeah. If we were, if this was 1994, we would not understand that because they were a band around in 1994. Oh, they're an actual band. They're a real band. Oh, I love when there's a real band in a TV show. Yeah. I also love that at this point of time, Sharon and... Ryan? I, I can never say that. Ryan. Ryan? Ryan. Ryan. Like the word Ray and the word Anne. Put together. Ryan. Right. Okay. Thank you. Sharon and Ryan had accidentally collided paths in the girls' bathroom and had shared their concerns. <laughs> and Angela wasn't too thrilled about this at that current point of time. But they both agreed to go with her because she said, oh, we're going on a date? Yeah, we're going to the, the Buffalo Tom. We're going to see Buffalo Tom. And so they go to support her, but when she goes, Jordan is basically ignoring her completely. She tries to avoid it, and when she goes to walk up to Jordan, ultimately she doesn't get anything from him at all. He just continues playing a pool and being a dickhead. She leaves in a huff. Rayanne and Sharon try to support her, and Rayanne gives Jordan a piece of her mind, telling him he can't wait forever, because Angela won't. On another side of the other plot lines that are happening here, there's a new teacher about the school. He's trying to get kids excited about Shakespeare and sonnets. And he actually calls out Ricky by his full name, Enrique. Ricky does not like being called Enrique. And after class, the teacher actually approaches him in a way of trying to get him to join drama class, which is something that Ricky can't possibly fathom. (laughs) By the end of the episode, the teacher almost actually gets through to Ricky in a way that he says, I couldn't imagine wanting to hide my name, not wanting to hate my name or hate who I am. And in the end, Ricky ends up signing the drama sheet, Enrique. In terms of the mum and the dad, his the dad is actually going to a cooking class and he's feeling worried about his level of skill. Should he be in an intermediate level? Should he be in an advanced level, a beginner level? What's going on here? And then when he goes to the cooking class, he ends up getting this moment with a woman who I thought was going to start cracking onto him, but no, she's got a fiance and she's just bad at cooking. 
And they end up talking a lot because the teacher never shows up. Then they gossip about the fact that the teacher can't understand him. Turns out he's a drunk and ends up going to rehab. And surprise, surprise, the dad actually gets the teacher's job because he was actually helping all the other students out in the class. And that is quite a surprise to the mum of the story, who kind of wasn't believing in him as this was all happening. And he goes, oh, I can't be surprised. I thought this was a surprise. And he goes, yeah, I'm surprised. But I would have liked for it not to be such a surprise to both of us. Jordan, after Rayanne's little nudge, left a note in Angela's locker to meet her, her, to meet him in the boiler room. Angela hates that she went there in the first place and seems that he can't handle his emotions. He can definitely handle his tongue, apparently that's why he knows what to do. But then it turns out the teacher gives a bit of Shakespeare and a bit of inspiration to both Brian and Jordan, and they actually reveal what they're feeling. Then, as it turns out, while Angela has been struggling and almost failing, needing to go to geometry class and skipping out on it to make out with Jordan, she actually ends up hating herself and thinking she's not going to make it and she's too late and the girl who was actually trying to hide her marks from the boy earlier is in there with her. She ends up tutoring her in the bathroom but then Sharon comes in and says hey the copy machine ate the test and it's been postponed till tomorrow. <laughs> Very convenient. Poor Brian then watches on in the hallway as Jordan slow-mo walks to Angela and asks to go somewhere. I'm like oh come on where's this going? But as they go to go somewhere, again in slow motion, he holds her hand in plain sight of the entire school. But then she also decided to skip out in geometry class again. And that's the episode. More or less, yes. Yes. So, what did you think this time? I got to see actually who Ricky and Rayanne were this time, which is kind of fun. Yes. They're very fun characters. They are. Actually, what we should do just really quickly is talk about um, what you didn't like about the last time we did this. Yes. Okay, so the last time we did this, it was a very emotional, dramatic episode. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of lightness to it at no. all. And it was actually focused very heavily on Sharon and Angela's relationship. Mm -hmm. and it kind of got Ricky and Rayanne pushed to the side, and I didn't really know much about Angela's whole new life that she kind of started up for herself. And it it just wasn't fun. <laughs> and it focused so much on the parents as well. The parents actually got uh, just as much screen time as the teenagers. And while this time around it was a, it was a bit more balanced, and when I say balanced, I mean more like 60-40. Yeah, I mean, it was less balanced, which yeah, is the right way for it to be. The right way to do it, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so I actually got to see a bit more of Angela's new life and how she would interact with her friends and how it was awkward for her to see her old life interacting with her new life and then her obsession with a boy, <laughs> which is ultimately what high school can be about. Yeah. So it felt much more like an episode of the show instead yeah. of an impactful episode, not like necessarily the rest of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That is part of the reason why I picked it. I think that this, um, episode kind of catches Angela in the middle of her, kind of journey um mm -hmm. that she's going to go on throughout the throughout the tv show of you know there's there's all of these worlds of hers all colliding things are happening in her life uh but she's not quite she's not balancing it all very well she doesn't mm. quite know how to react to everything no this is almost a a lack of reacting yes and so she just will kind of look and just go with what's actually happening or just walk away. Yes, I think that that's one thing that the show is kind of lauded for and one thing that I like about it 
um, is that it is so different in that these characters often, particularly Angela, she's designed for the audience to be able to step in and be her. Mm. So she's often very reactive. Mm. She's not very active, proactive. Yeah. And things happen to her. Things happen to her. She doesn't very often go out and make things happen for herself. But she, I, I always like that she reacts in these ways that are like, so small and minor or not even reactive, just mm. where you're like, I don't know what to do in this situation, therefore I'm just going to bail. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't handle this yeah. and I'm just going to go. And I think that that's a really... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice element to her because it adds to her sincerity in terms of she doesn't know who the fuck she is. She doesn't really know what to do. She's not strong. Mm. You're not meant to be strong when you're that age. No. And it's nice when the central character isn't someone who's going to take a stand. Mm. She doesn't necessarily know how to take a stand. She doesn't know what she stands for. So she'll just leave. Exactly. I do actually quite like that. And it, it's, it's, I love the way that you mentioned the fact that she's quite reactive because even in the, in the moment where she is active in this, it's a reaction to what Ange keep calling her Angela, to what Rayanne and Sharon are talking about and almost bringing her down in the relationship of Jordan. So she actually makes a choice to go to the bar with Buffalo Tom because they said something. It was a stance for her to take, but it was still out of a reaction. Absolutely. It was, and she, she wouldn't have done that except that, yeah, they, they were saying like, you know, this isn't a relationship. You, this isn't balanced, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, it was a Why bad call a for her to make. It was Very not a good call. decision for her to just be like, well, no, he's taking me on a date. Like, that's just a total and utter lie. Complete lie. Um, but you get it because she's hoping that she's that she's going to go there and he's going to see her and that he will hold her and kiss her and love her. And it's just not that's what not what's happens. Happen. And if she thought about it for another second... She would have known that. Yeah. Because that's not how this is going. And it's definitely not how Jordan acts. Exactly. He's very... He's he such a teenage lot, does boy. He? Oh, he's so painful. How many words does he actually utter? I don't know. But not it, many. No, right? <laughs> he's, very, he's very non-communicative. I think it's... I, I can see it. I can see it. In yeah. a lot of young boys. I guess I, I, I wasn't really part of that because... I don't know. I, I you talk a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I you're talk not a lot. that kind of boy. No, no. And I guess that I I didn't know how to process my own emotions or things like that. So I didn't really interact with boys as much. I think they scared me to a point that I didn't even pay attention to them, and I would just spend most of my time talking with girls. Um, so it does seem like a total cliche what's actually happening. But I love that you say no, no. This is a teenage boy. This I mean, I don't. I also do not spend a lot of time with teenage boys because I think most males are not worth my time <laughs> um most straight white cis males mm-hmm. sorry to be mm-hmm. more precise thank you so i i don't say, can't say that i've had a lot of teenage reaction teenage boy interactions but what i see more as an adult in terms of young boys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um kind of interacting i i recently had a spent a few days on and off with a teenage boy for work mm-hmm. um and I can see a lot of Jordan Catalano in this kid as somebody who was very uh, quiet and very maybe didn't actually have a very high opinion of himself mm. or maybe is is not terribly confident but sort of part of this, you know, quite introspective 
charm that Jordan lets off is not, I'm so confident I don't need to say anything, but it's more like, I have no idea how to express an emotion. So I won't. So I won't. Mm. It's it's interesting, like, this is almost like before brooding was considered sexy, or this is almost like what made brooding. Brooding has always, been, brooding considered always sex- been considered sexy. Have you ever heard of Lord Byron? No idea what that is. Okay. Brooding has been sexy for hundreds of years. Okay. <laughs> Very much so. It's the strong, silent type. Yeah, yeah. So I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, okay. But this is, but Jordan is certainly a a bit of a what's now become a stereotype yes. in the teen drama world. Yes. yes. Uh, of you know, a kind of a a James Dean. The thing is, he felt surprisingly sensitive um, to me in this episode, which was so is. confusing because uh, I I just imagined him to be more confident. Yeah. And he's not. That's why, this is why Angela is obsessed, because she's like, he's quiet and he doesn't communicate a lot, but I feel like there's a lot of depth there and he's so sensitive, but he doesn't say anything. And how much is she reading into this? How much is she reading into this? But I I just, I buy. It's like, you know, when we talk a bit about boyfriends and things mm-hmm. and we try to go like, what do they actually think about what's happening in this situation? They didn't say anything. Mm. So I'm going to have to try and read into all of their behaviours to try and work out how they feel because nothing was explicitly stated or I don't necessarily believe what was explicitly stated. And Jane's often better at that than I am, even though I might be the one dating the boy. I'm just better at telling you that perhaps what you initially read into a conversation is not actually what's happening in that conversation. Maybe it's because you're also removed from the situation. Uh, probably. The point being that she's she has to read into these because she doesn't get because any she's other not getting anything out of it. <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I really like. I find the dynamic between them frustrating because mm. I always want to like grab Angela by the shoulders and shake her and say like. Be better than this, kid. You don't have to throw all of your self-worth into this relationship with this boy. I get that. I really get that. The first time that you can become infatuated with someone, especially in the moment, and because in high school everything is so heightened, it's the first time you're experiencing these emotions. Gosh, we sound old. Um, but it's it's just like... It's it's what happens. It yeah. seems annoying and frustrating and almost like not believable, but it is totally believable. It's actually you can just become a n- dysfunctional human being <laughs> and losing like reasonable sense when there's just a boy that you want their attention exactly. and you don't even realize that you're craving it because you're craving it so much. Exactly. It just occupies your mind. So when she's going My world was two different times, kissing and not kissing. Yeah. And I was just like, gosh, I remember what it was like when the first time I actually really started kissing someone and liking it, not like high school kiss or, you know, round back in the corner behind the caravan of the visiting preacher's daughter at church. Uh, I mean, there might be a reason you weren't enjoying that. (laughs) That was a female, I suppose. Um, but when I first really started kissing someone and becoming infatuated with them, it almost felt like I was like, when they leave, there's, there's this dizziness and you're kind of the cloud nine element and you're just like, oh, I kind of wish I was just kissing them again. Just be nice just to kiss. And I'm just like, gosh, 
There's other things in life than kissing. What I'm hearing is that you are Angela Chase. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, I'm saying I can relate to her yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Um, I also just really loved uh, the little bit that we got of Ricky. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's quite he's quite a good actor. He's fabulous. I wish he was still in things. I actually, the moment when he um, mimics the teacher was fantastic. I mean, it looks a lot like a teenage boy acting like a grown-up. Yes, but it it was actually, it was it was almost like someone in drama class That's in, like, university. Exactly. I guess a, yeah, a teenage boy acting like a grown-up, but, like, a much older teenage boy yeah, acting yeah. like a grown-up and doing an almost convincing job of it, or at least an extremely comedic job of it. Yeah. And just the way he was holding his hands and the slightly exaggerated moments of it and even just the tone of his voice, the subtle change, it was just really well done. Yeah. And it was probably my favourite moment in the episode, actually, when this teacher who... The other teachers are trying to think that he's cute and, and like, getting all excited that this is the male teacher in the faculty. But I, it was just really wonderful that he had this moment with them when you just, like, don't need to figure out why he pauses so much or why he seems to be a bit vague and, and forgetting things or whatever else is going on there. It doesn't matter because he has this moment of connection with Ricky mm. and gets him to reclaim... I guess part of his heritage that he didn't realize he didn't dislike so much. Because he says, you know, I don't hate it. I don't, I like my name. I just, this isn't. Yeah. And oh, it was, it was a really wonderful moment. Yeah. I think it's, I think what I enjoy about that more than the moment where they connect is watching um, Ricky really try and pull against that. Mm. It's like that thing where, um, the fact that there's this older person who's trying to have a connection and you're you're just not used to that and, and you don't understand why this older person would be wanting to take an interest. Yeah. And so therefore you immediately put your guard up, which yeah, I think is very common for, for young fun people. Of it because yeah. even though you might he even mentions uh at the first moment, he's like he you know, maybe I would do drama class if I had nothing else to do. Yeah. But you know, so he's not even saying that he doesn't want to do it, but yeah. because he told him to do it, he doesn't want to do it. Exactly. It's it's really that kind of people pe- people shouldn't people aren't interested in me. So why is this guy interested in me? And I'm really trying to push against it. And he doesn't know me. There's a lot about Ricky's background that sort of plays into that. Once you know him a little bit better. Yeah, I'm a bit curious about that. Um, what's a bit more in terms of his his family situation like? I'm trying to recall what we know up to this point and what we learn afterward. But essentially, he uh, he I think he lives with cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't. His parents aren't in his life, yeah. and he doesn't have a very strong connection to the family he does live with. Right. Um, they he's just sort of put up with in his house. He lives there, but he doesn't lives th- there. He doesn't live there. Yeah. They don't know him. They don't mm-hmm. like him. It's just a place for him to sleep, and and that becomes more contentious later on. Mm. Um, and it's a wonderful moment that really shows uh, how much of a supportive friend Rayanne is mm-hmm. at the very last moment of the episode where she walks up and sees that he's written Enrique on there. Not yeah. even necessarily Enrique part, but she's just happy that he signed up for the yes. drama class. Because she's trying to gently push him earlier on to say, like, well, what's wrong with yeah. doing that? Like, because I think the good thing about Rayanne is as much as she is um, kind of 
appears to be a fun time party gal, she actually seems to know her friends quite well. Almost so, better than they do. Yeah. So she's kind of has the ability to watch what Ricky's doing and she knows But she also that, knows not to push him too hard because he'll just won't do Exactly, because as she as she can see, this guy is trying to push Ricky and Ricky's Ricky's pushing against that because mm. he doesn't like to be told what to do. So she's just kind of gently coercing because she thinks that this would actually be a great thing for him, but doesn't, you know, mm. want him to push against her. Mm. So I think that, I think it shows, I think the way that all of these plot lines kind of interweave shows the strengths of each friendship. Yeah. Um, particularly between Rayanne and Ricky and Rayanne and um, Angela. And that uh, Rayanne has such a wonderful moment with Sharon. Is this one of the first times that they... They sort of have had some interactions leading up to this, smaller positive, ones. In, positive ones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sort of. Uh, sort Without of Angela in the picture. Between positive and ambivalent. Right. Like, they're Not sort of... Not necessarily bad. Yeah, they're just sort of, like, up until now, they've they've been acquaintances, we've had conversations and sort of danced around each other because they're both sort of friends with Angela um, but never, never been close friends. Mm. They're not friends. No, they wouldn't hang out. But and they that's why talk. Angela's like, "Since when do you two hang out?" Yeah, yeah. She's like, "Excuse me." And then they have a little moment where they high five. Yeah, it's quite cute. I, I do like that dynamic between them. I, I, I kind of think that Sharon and and Rayanne would actually be really good friends. Yeah. If Angela wasn't necessarily in the picture. Well, not so much that. It's just that if they didn't run in completely different worlds. Oh yeah. I think yeah. it's just that Sharon is a very high achieving cheerleader yeah and you know relatively popular she had this like um you know quarterback boyfriend who she recently broke up with and yeah and rayanne is the complete opposite she's she doesn't go to class yeah that was great it's like have you ever actually gone to a class (laughs) it's not what she's there for um yeah she likes to party she's very impulsive Mm. so they're very different people but i do like that they sort of have this shared they both love Angela. I think that's and kind that's, of... And that's what brings them together outside of their circles. Exactly. It, it is It is amazing to think that um, when you're in high school, to be friends with someone who isn't in the same circles with you is extremely difficult mm. and often doesn't last. It yeah. will be like an interaction that might be positive, or but then it won't happen again or it won't yeah. happen spontaneously after that. It's not something that you... It's very hard to build a friendship when you don't run in the same circles. I used to have, you know, I would perhaps be friends with people who were in one of my electives. Mm. You know, I'd sit with them in that class and they would be my friend for that class. And then we would both go off to our different friendship groups and not speak outside of class Mm. at all, other than like, hey, or whatever. So I think it's very telling to show that, and I mean, we do this as people, as adults all the time. We have, you know, our work friends are often quite segregated from our other friends who we won't know from university and then we've got friends back home who Mm. are our home friends and you know it's it's, they don't often collide exactly i kind of love that there's just these groups of people and they haven't all come together to form one friendship group Mm. they all have different relationships you know what i find interesting though is that the people that i ran the same circles with that i had lunch with all the time those are the ones who i actually am still in contact with yeah it's actually the the spontaneous ones who I was friends with because we all were in the same, like, you know, when teachers try to like change up desks and put them yeah. in a different way, there was, you know, like a, a four, a four desk situation and you were just mm-hmm. in little pockets around the room and two of us, uh, sorry, three of us, the other guy, no idea, but 
we got really close in that English class over the span of, you know, a year. And that's just what, three times a week, four times a week, mm, whatever. And we're still in contact mm. and, uh, you know, through the power of the internet and Facebook, uh, I can, you know, like connect with them and talk about their babies. I'm like, Oh my gosh, having babies. But also <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite interesting that, um, Angela's like broken out from the friends that she used to have. And, and, and I think I remember you mentioning this before, but it wasn't necessarily that she was a big popular girl or anything like that. She just felt like she was nothing. Yeah. She, was, she wasn't, she was a nobody. She wasn't yeah. like an interesting person. So she wanted to change it up and dye her hair red, right? Yes. 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 Her hair used to be kind of a mousy brown. Yes. And so uh, I think the episode you got me to watch, it had started fading. Uh, mm, sort it of just maybe. looks a lot redder here than the last time I feel like I saw it. No, I think it it actually sort of starts off the season as like a really like unusually vibrant red, and at this point it's kind of changed to be a darker Albany red. Mm-hmm. It just kind of it evolves. Um, Do you to... think that's a uh, lack of continuity? No, I think I I've read an entire essay about the color of Angela's hair. <laughs> um, uh, the it's kind of like. She dyed it this really outlandish colour to begin with because she was after such a major change. Mm. And then as she starts to incorporate that changed identity into her regular world and into her regular identity, it sort of starts to become a more natural colour. Mm. Um, and so it's almost all... like a mood ring. No, no, not a No, not a mood ring. It's just it's it's kind of her hair is representative of um of her finding her place. Her comfort level. Her comfort her comfort level or just beginning to uh, reintegrate all of these elements of her life that she tore apart deliberately at the beginning to Mm. go like, I just need something different. Let's tear everything down. And then as she sort of starts to integrate them back in, in a way that feels right to her and build an identity out of that, her hair color becomes a little bit, it just becomes more, looks more like a natural red. Mm. It's interesting that she's almost reverting back to what she was. In a way. But different. Like, she has a different opinion, a different perspective, I think, of it. Yeah. And allows herself to take chances that she probably wouldn't even considered in the first place. Or maybe thought about but never acted on. Exactly. It's it's literally like that thing where you go, okay, well, now that everything's taken apart, I can pull back some of those things that I used to be. I, I can, can... realise the things that I actually do like. Exactly. What do I actually enjoy yeah. to do? So that's why she... She, as in the previous episode that we saw, she does make out with Sharon. Mm. She establishes that I do want to be your friend. I just couldn't be your friend with the person that I was because I hated who I was. Mm. Now that I like who I am a bit more, I can be your friend again. Sort of was was where we yeah, were in the last yeah. episode. And, and, you know, now she's sort of starting to get along with her parents a little bit better and and learning where romance fits into her life. Gosh. Or, or trying to know. work out where romance fits into there her life. Go. You know, she goes too far one way. And then what I find is interesting is that at the end of the episode, she hasn't actually really changed her ways. No, she didn't actually have that much development at all in this no. episode. She just saw hope of change because she did go to leave him after well she she felt confident enough to speak her mind and to make her opinion known which was good and and that caused jordan to change his behavior so i think it's interesting to show how her i think the shakespeare was in there a little bit but it wouldn't have happened like he wouldn't have been willing ready to receive that message 
if he if she hadn't already told him that yeah she was done with this yeah and so I think it's interesting to show like how her development affects his behavior but at the end of the day she's not fully cooked she's not a perfect human being she's still she's still going to skip out on geometry review yeah. to go make out with him in the in the boiler room. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I like that it's not, oh, and now my behavior's changed and I'm going to study again. Exactly. It's, it's, things don't happen that quickly in high school and in a lot of high school dramas, they do, mm. especially it, with an episodic structure. They, they want to like show, you know, in a bit of an after school special message. Um, so it has some element of morals and it's not just about hot teenagers making out. Exactly. But I like that she fails. Not necessarily if she fails the job she mm. does, but I like that as a character she continues to fail because it's hopefully... Well, she continues to be flawed. I don't think failing is Oh, yes, right that's a very strong word. Yeah, she um, continues to be flawed and she continues to, you know, behave in a way that isn't, you know, perfect because although she may feel a little more willing to speak her mind now, at the end of the day she still wants to go make out with a boy. Mm, mm. But I, I just like the fact that she makes the mistake more than once. Mm. And I think it doesn't, like what happened with Jordan, he had this moment with Rayanne where she was, like, giving him a bit of, like, tough love. It's like, dude, you need to do something because she's not going to keep waiting around for you. And then Shakespeare, oh. And then he actually speaks up in class, which I imagine he would not normally ever do. Then Brian has his little moment of, like, takes over. but. So, and then he had that, and then he had Angela speak her mind and talk directly to him. It's not as so simple as Rayanne said something to him, now he's going to change and be a different person, or now he's going to share his emotions. It's not that simple. And the fact that uh, Angela is like, oh, I I should have gone to Geometry Review, and now it's too late, I'm here now, oh, I can actually help you now. Oh, cool, this is really convenient. Let's study together and what's the convergent of this thing? And oh my gosh, did you see them using a compass to like draw a perfect circle? I don't think I saw it, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Compasses uh, became banned in my school. Why? Uh, People stopping people? Yeah. I don't think we used compasses in high school. I think we were done with compasses by then. Protractors were still. Protractors we still used. Oh yeah, protractors were a deal. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Uh, I, I really like that element of it takes a few times for something to sink in. It's not as simple as someone telling you something and then you will change. Exactly. I really like that element to it because especially as a high school teenager, someone telling you something, like almost the way that Ricky was being pushed by the teacher, oh, I didn't realise how well they were connected. It all intertwined. <laughs> okay, now I'm starting to get why you really like this show. Yes. Because... It didn't really have that element in the last episode as much. I think it did. I think that they all the plot lines did intertwine at the same level. It's just that you didn't like the plot lines as much. Right, maybe. And I, I kept getting distracted by the parents in a high school drama show, I suppose. Yeah, and that was a bit of a mistake on my end because I, I knew that the parents were in that episode a lot, but I didn't. I never really focused on them, so... And I think if I had gotten to know the parents a bit more, I would have been invested because yeah. I would have thought it would have been brave of a high school drama show, even though I know at this point of time it is still a bit of a turning point and putting parents in a show is almost like a, a stable move because they don't know who's going to be watching the show. They don't know yeah, who's going to yeah. be teenagers. You need to put parents in there so adults will watch it as well. They need to have their own adult plot lines going on. And 
that's a very heavy thing to deal with. And the fact that you can't have just teenagers dealing with the concept of death, mm. and especially if it's their one of the father's friends. I want to see his reaction. I want to see him deal with it. Oh my gosh, he zoned out so much in that episode. Just, you know, staring into the abyss, sign of death. Okay, sure. Um, but I, I think I would have liked it more if I knew the character more. Yeah. And I would have been like, oh, cool, I get to spend a bit more time with the parents. Yeah, yeah, I, this I agree. Amount, this amount was great. I agree. As I was watching it, I was like, this is a much better episode for this because we get to see just enough of the relationships for it to read like mm. for you to get what the dynamics are and and we get to see a little bit of a journey but it wasn't too much and it wasn't focused on them so it wasn't too much it was just kind of enough for us to understand what was going on and to feel a little bit for these characters but yeah. they weren't the focus yeah so speaking of did you how did you feel about that kind of plot line were you i, I quite enjoyed the plot line because of how much i think i related to it I'm not saying that I've been in that exact situation or done those same things, but the feelings behind those motivations and uh, actions that I completely got. Mm. And I just, I didn't realize how much I would like Ricky and Rayanne. I knew when you said it, you were like, you would really like these characters. I'm yeah. like, well, why didn't I get to see them? Yeah. And um, I, I think that they are, they're like those fun rebel outsider kids you know, before Mean Girls, you know? They're not really related no. to Mean Girls. Huh? I don't know what you mean. Like, oh, what like in terms of, of uh, those, uh, uh, the, the two outside of the class. Oh, the, the friends. Yes. Katie's other friends. Yes, yeah, yes, right. yes. And, uh, but they're like, almost like better developed than those two people. Well, yes, because it's a movie, it's a TV show, it's a TV show. Yeah, that's the yeah, point. That's yeah, why I like yeah. TV shows. Yes. Yes. Although, oh my gosh, the amount of uh, just self-deprecating behaviour of girls to boys, and I know that's not necessarily incorrect, but it was just so heavy to Hard me. Hard for you to say? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, yeah. welcome to our lives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I know I'm on a different level here because I'm man with men, but um, it comes with its own issues and grinder, don't get me started on that. But... Oh my gosh, it just sucks. And I and I just hate hearing girls do that to themselves. And it was just like at first I was like, oh, this is unrealistic. And I'm like, oh no, this isn't unrealistic. It's not unrealistic. It's like, you know, all the drama that you have with boys, because boys are complicated. Mm. Imagine that, but also there's the power dynamic of the fact that men run the world and women don't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, great. Well, not only are they annoying and complicated, but also they have all the power in this relationship. They earn more money. They have they, better opportunities. I mean, not even, like, we're not at that point. In, no. no in, not in this. Yeah. In, in this story. Like, if we boil it down to a high school setting, it's the fact that boys are inherently more confident, more willing to mm. speak. I mean, I know that with and Jordan is an interesting case study in that because I actually think that he's not very confident. Mm -hmm. But Angela still perceives him as being that way because that's how she understands men to be in the world. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how he actually is. It's the fact that she's socialised to believe that men have confidence and power and are in control of themselves and she's just a slave to their will. Mm. That's how she's been socialised. And that butts up with the fact that Jordan is not confident and doesn't know his place in the world and is very 
and can't express an emotion. So you've got these two people who both think differently about one of them. And he, I just, I think up until, you know, the Shakespeare lesson or the talking to in the boiler room is so caught up in his own nonsense, he's not really thinking about Angela very no, much. No, no, he's not. He, you know, she doesn't really factor in. But the in. thing is it doesn't even occur to him to think about her. Exactly. Because he hasn't been taught that his entire self-worth should be caught up in another mm, person. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Angela, as a young w- woman mm. who is who watches media, who watches her own parents, who watches... I think it's interesting when you see the interactions between her father and her mother, especially. Yes, I was just about to bring that up because she is now the breadwinner and she was in charge of her father. Yes, but not only that, but when you watch their actual interactions, the mum is always coming to the dad and saying, what happened? How do you feel about this? What about this option? What about that option? How how are we going to work this out? She's, She's the one who's pushing him, and he is just sitting back silently in what I found to be a really annoying way, being like, oh, they made me the head of the glass, you know? It was fine. And her, and she's one having to push and push and push and try and get him to communicate because he's not communicating. Mm. It's so frustrating that he feels like he's not being supported in his, in his decision and his, like, choice to follow his passion where all she's doing is trying to support him so much. Well, this is what, this is what frustrates me is he's all like, you know, why do you have to assume that the worst thing happened, that I hated it or that, you know, I wasn't that good enough. I wasn't good enough. It's like, because you're not giving her anything else. Mm. You're not offering anything to this conversation even. And if someone's not talking, you assume the worst. Exactly. I hate that. I hate that those scenes sort of portray her as like a nag. Whereas. I don't like even more so is that the nagging almost was uh, kickstarted by her father, Mm. the grandfather. Mm. Like almost initiating it. Yeah, she was fine. She, she was okay with like, it all. Yeah, to be a bit more supportive, but hands off. But again, the patriarchy comes in and makes her doubt everything. That's what I really didn't like. It's still the fucking colonial patriarchy's fault. I can't say this enough. It's still the patriarchy's fault. She was fine. She was supporting him, even though the fact that he left his job and left them in what could—I mean, as I've said—they don't talk about there being dire financial straits, but. If you've got a wife and two kids, you shouldn't just. You probably shouldn't just leave your job, without having something else to go to. You know, these are night cooking classes. You could have been working and going to them. Yes, it's just interesting when you see these frustrating interactions between Angela's parents, and then you see how she behaves with Jordan. She's just modelling the same behaviour. It's once again a man who can't communicate his feelings, who doesn't seem to want to speak doesn't want to say anything and then let her push or make assumptions or behave in a way that isn't necessarily correct because she's just trying to figure it out. I think I am amazed by how much I can sometimes be oblivious to certain aspects of the world. I'm aware of these situations, of course, but because, not because it doesn't directly affect me, but because I had such a different example in my own parents Mm. because I actually really don't remember my dad like working. Like my dad did have a job, but I remember my bad dad looking for jobs. And I remember my mum 
going to train to be a nurse while I was in high school and like working so hard, traveling, doing an expedited course to be a nurse in so much faster time and struggling so much to be the breadwinner of the family and to do something that she was not qualified for and she missed that chance because she had kids. Mm. And I am so proud of my mum for doing that and because my dad constantly talks about his feelings. Yeah. And it's so bizarre to me that, like, I know that's not normal, um, but I just assumed that sometimes that was a stereotype too much portrayed in television. And I think that I've let my own family dynamic influence what might be considered average or normal mm. uh, behaviour in mm. terms of uh, how males and females interact. Because I, I don't really have many other representations of males and females because I don't have a male-female romantic relationship in my life. Like, I, the biggest male-female relationship I have is probably you and me. <laughs> I think that that's very... I think that's perfectly understandable. I have very similar problems because I don't have any brothers. Mm. So... And and I grew up in a household where, yes, my dad is very much the strong, silent type. He doesn't talk about his emotions very much. And my mum is a little bit more um, emotionally available. I mean, generally, we're not a particularly emotional family, <laughs> um, which is why I am the way that I am. Yes, yes. But um, so, and, and my mum, my dad worked my entire life. Mm, my mum, mm. you know, was mostly... St- well, was partially stay at home, partially part time work, but she's definitely the the homekeeper. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of that part of my life, I can see that that's very stereotypical. But at the same time, I did not. It's not that I didn't consider myself a feminist, but I didn't necessarily consider that there was a massive gender imbalance growing up because in my house it was just me and my sisters. Mm. And because so my mum was outnumbered by. Four boys in the house. Yeah. Whereas your dad was the only male. Exactly. And and it was kind of like there was no... I hear a lot of people talk about how they first learned about gender imbalances and feminism because in their house the girls would be asked to do the dishes whereas the boys would be asked to go out and help dad in the yard. Right. Or, yeah. or just generally things like that. One, You know, the, ki- the girls would learn to cook, the boys never had to. Whereas or, in our, our dynamics, there wasn't that option. There wasn't that option. You know, we, <laughs> we were, were all, all equally helping in the yard yes. and doing yes. the dishes. Unless, of course, you know, my sister said that I was spoiled and I didn't do anything, but that's a whole other <laughs> issue. But the, the point being that I... I was raised in a household where there was never boy roles or girl roles, mm. aside from what my parents modelled, but my parents were also very... Sharing a load? No, it's it's not. Outside of what they modelled, they always made it very clear to us that we could do whatever the hell we wanted. Yeah, that's really nice. That we... And, and not by sitting us down and saying, like, you guys are strong, independent women, but we just, like, I never felt like I couldn't go and do the boy things mm. because my parents told me they couldn't. I I. Oh, look, gender dynamics is a whole thing I could delve into. But I I was generally a rather feminine girl because of, I think, the dynamics that were happening in my other world, my classroom. But I had a sister who played every single sport, is mm-hmm. in the army, mm-hmm. never wore a dress, all that sort of stuff. And so I have had these great role models of kind of just 
doesn't matter if you're a girl, you can literally do whatever you want. And I chose not to do the boyish things because I didn't want to. Now, whether or not I didn't choose. want to, yeah. is that, uh, or whether or not I was socialized not to, that's a whole other conversation that I could get into, but we won't because otherwise we're going to run out of time. And stop talking about my so-called life. And stop talking about my so-called <laughs> life, which we sort of have. The point being, I think, yeah, just kind of rolling back to where we were, I do think that this show has very carefully constructed the Angela Jordan relationship to, in many ways, mirror the relationship between Angela's parents. Mm. Not necessarily as a, this is how it works in every family, but just to show this is often what you see is children muddling the pavers of their parents, even if it's not conscious. conscious. It's so subconscious. And this show does that in a lot of really subtle ways. There's a phrase, I think I might have even mentioned this in the last time we did this episode, but I can't remember because it was like two years ago. Um, there's a phrase that Angela's mother uses, which is in my honest or in my humble opinion. She uses it a, quite a few times in the first few episodes. Right. In almost a sarcastic way. And then I remember noticing that Angela uses it a couple times in later episodes. Oh. Where she goes, in my humble opinion. Yeah. And I was like, I love this because this is showing those little tiny things that we pick up from parents and put into our lives. Without even realising. Without even realising. Yeah. It's not, and it can just be colloquialisms and sayings or it can be entire friendship dynamics. And so that's part of the reason I like this show is that I like the teen drama, but I like that the parental stuff plays in to that kind of almost mirroring it. Mm. So there's an aspect of the show that I both like and dislike a lot. Sure. In terms of the most entertaining and better written dialogue is often the comedic characters. It's yeah. often the, it's, it's Rayanne, it's Sharon or it's um, Ricky. And so the, the words that are used often by Angela or the parents aren't really as fun or witty. But they're not witty. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. They're not witty. Yes. So why should they talk witty? Whereas sometimes you get used to a certain show where absolutely every single character is funny and smart, even yes. though that's not necessarily their character and who they should be. So it was a bit jarring to me because I'm like, I don't enjoy listening to these people because their lines are boring, but maybe they're just boring people. <laughs> I think that that is... Do you I think, think it's intentional? That is intentional. I think I'm it is... I'm not sure. You really love this show. I it it I think it I, makes I'm a lot funny. more sense when you do see the whole thing because you mm. you'll find moments that are more emotional with Rayanne where that wit drops away. Yes, yes. This isn't Buffy the Vampire Slayer no. where everybody is witty and they're constantly undercutting the drama with funny lines. Like that's it's a drama. That's one way to do it, and I like that way also. But this is a different way to do it. And it does take a little bit of brain rewiring Mm. to go like... Yeah, that's why it was jarring to me. Because I'm like, I kind of just want to spend time with the people with the better dialogue. But... Don't say... I wouldn't say better dialogue. dialogue. I would say wittier dialogue. Yes, yes. I think it's important to remember that dramatic dialogue is harder to sell. Mm. And I guess like in terms of uh, even what we were talking about last week in terms of, we didn't actually say this exactly, but since it was so realistic, I think the slow pace of it, it's not as much escapism as you would have liked. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take you to another world. Whereas Ricky and Rayanne take me to a really fun place that I wish I could be. Exactly. Whereas when I'm with Angela and Jordan, I'm like, gosh, 
This reminds me of this awful relationship I had, and I don't really want to think about it. Exactly. It's, it's not, it's good. But it's uncomfortable it's to uncomfortable watch. It's uncomfortable to watch, and I kind of get, I kind of like, can I fast forward? I'm going to miss something important, aren't I? Or yeah. she'll say it in a voiceover, it'll be fine. You know, but I, I, I also appreciate that uh, the voiceovers weren't overdone. Yes. Yeah, the, the internal monologue wasn't overdone. Yeah, it really settles down. Um, from early in the season to the point where I think it gets pretty close to disappearing later on because mm. I think I think the point of the voiceover is to share some of that interiority with Angela until she feels comfortable enough to, to say share it. Share it with other people. To share it with other people. Only... As the season mm. goes on, she does become more open and more vulnerable and more emotionally available to her friends. She becomes closer to her friends. So, you know, Ricky and Rayanne aren't just fun-time friends. They become people that she can actually confide in. So the need for uh, for voiceover sort of disappears. Yes. Yeah, which is it's similar to why early seasons of Veronica or early episodes of Veronica Mars are full of voiceover because she didn't have anybody to talk to. She didn't have any friends. She was only her dad. One friend and a dad. So, so there had to be voiceover to a exposit and B to reveal some of that interiority. Whereas in later seasons, there's so many characters that she could talk to and ways that you can bring that interiority out through action or through subtext that you don't have to have voiceover anymore. So did the writers or creators of the show go on to do anything else? So the main creator of the show, the woman who wrote every episode, it was her concept and she um, sort of considers herself to be the voice of Angela. Yeah. This is kind of her talking a lot about her own kind of coming of age. Uh, her name's Winnie Holtzman, mm-hmm. and she hasn't worked on a lot of things, but she has done a few big ones. Right. So in about 2010, I remember there was a show called Huge, mm-hmm. which was about... Oh, I know this show, I think. Do you? Is this about a guy with a big dick? No. Oh, okay. Whoa, settle down. No, 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 there's actually a show, and like he like ran out of money and he becomes a gigolo. Ew. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, actually. Anyway, moving on. It was set at a fat camp. Oh. So it was about, um, you know, a girl who was going to fat camp, and it was it followed her story. I don't think I watched any of it. Yeah. Because it got very mixed reviews because it was sort of, you know, she was trying to represent this section of the community that was often demonised. But I think we're not quite ready for that brand of humour because it's struggles to find its place between uh, understanding and laughing with and laughing at. Mm, mm. So that's a very delicate balance that I don't think that show particularly found. Yeah. Um, She did a bunch of other shows, uh, one called 30-something and a couple other bits and pieces. But importantly for us, she wrote the book to Wicked. Oh, I actually have that in my um, bookshelf. No, 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 not the book Wicked. The book to the musical Wicked. So she wrote all the words. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Not, uh, all, Not all the, the actual book Wicked. No, based that's off written the by Gregory Maguire. Okay, right. Um, no, the the book, which is what's known, which is what the dialogue and kind of right. plot of Wicked is, she wrote that. And she's oh. therefore writing the movie, which is supposedly set to come out this year, according to Wikipedia. You're but kidding. Like, I, I, that movie's been coming out for years. I know, I know. I don't actually know. I'll have to research that later. But so she's heavily involved in the, in the production of Wicked. I, I, just, I just was hoping that um, the cancellation of that show didn't, like, put too much of an effect on her because she sounds like she really knows what she's doing. 
I think that she does one thing very well. Right. And that this <laughs> this concept, she it was probably baked in her head for a long time. This was her baby. Yeah. This was everything. It's just the way that the different concepts were interwoven together yeah. is kind of amazing. Yes. For a, Especially for a high school drama. I guess it's because this is when high school dramas were a thing. This is the quintessential high school drama. This is the high school drama that every other high school drama is based on. And and not a lot of other high school dramas have captured that same magic necessarily. I don't. Th- I, yeah, I this think this isn't a perfect show. It isn't done perfectly. It's not perfect, and especially because of the time. Certain things are a bit dated. Yes, but it's a lot smarter than it looks. It is, and that's why that's why a lot of people didn't watch it to begin with because they were like, "Man, man, man, high school drama." No, it's much more clever. But I think I think why I think we have veered both toward and away from that very hyper-realistic high school drama. So I think that it was big for a while. Mm. Um, there's currently not a lot of that mm. around. There's a lot more of hyper-real Hyper-real, yes. Of, so of we've got a lot school. more Riverdales and... Awkwards. Awkwards and that kind of thing, just because that's where we are currently. Yeah. But I think that this kind of showed a way of integrating all of these plot lines and showing a deeper... Showing that teenagers may appear shallow, but it's because that's where they are in their development in life mm. and that they are experiencing everything with the intensity that they are experiencing it. And even though it may seem small potatoes to you, it's actually everything feels important because it is important. Yeah, whereas a show like One Tree Hill has very intense things that they go through and they have a level of like understanding concepts that teenagers don't. Yeah, I think uh, we had a be capable of comprehending to that level because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. No, I think we had a spate of those sort of in the early 2000s almost as a response to this trying to recapture this kind of TV show but taking it too far in the soap opera direction. Mm. So we had One Tree Hill and we had The OC mm. and we had Gosh, I'm trying to remember. There were there were just a bunch of oh, them at yeah, the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch them. <laughs> My parents are like, oh, you don't watch high school dramas. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. I certainly did watch them. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, immediately, I think the probably the biggest, the show that was most influenced by this um, but sort of was taken to a more Hollywood level was Dawson's Creek. Mm, mm. Dawson's Creek is very similar to this, That's except thing. that they did that thing where they made every character really witty. Yeah. And they aged up all their actors. Yeah. Because they wanted to make it a bit more Hollywood, a bit more glamorous, but they also wanted, you know, the awkward high school romances. I mean, there's also a production wise element to that in terms of, you know, the the struggle that Claire Danes had. It is easier to work with people who are older. Oh, yeah. There's a reason that people that they hire 25 year olds. I think we've now gotten to the point where when hiring. Like, sort of 19-year-olds yeah, like for high school roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think we've sort of aged that back down a little bit. But, yeah, it's incredibly difficult to work with actual teenagers just based on the hours. That's probably why there is so many so many scenes with the parents mm. because they couldn't use Claire Danes for every <laughs> scene. She's 13. Yeah. And the other actors I don't think were much older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they were all sort of around the 17-year-old mark. Yeah. Cool. All right. Should we wrap that up? Well, no. I think you've you've probably said um, why you love this show. Yeah. Uh, do it, you want to sum it just, up? Just to kind of sum it all up, I yeah. think what I love most about this show is is the way that it 
treats the high school experience and the very genuine high school experience mm. as being very important and emotional and vulnerable and very treats it very respectfully and doesn't try to downplay it and doesn't have to use an allegory to explain it and doesn't have to hype up the drama. It's yeah, it doesn't have to have a high school shooting or a bomb go off in the school for them to have an emotional reaction. Exactly. It may not be an exciting emotional reaction. But no, but time, I think but the, the point is that everything feels big when you're a teenager. Yeah. Even these small things, the scene with Jordan in the bar, he didn't turn around and yell at her. He just kind of ignored her. Yeah, yeah. And that is enough for her to become absolutely devastated and need to leave mm. because... That's what I'm saying. It, it, it's not necessarily an exciting moment. Yeah. And we're kind of conditioned to experience more action, more fast-paced, more bigger scenes, more bigger acting moments, more physicality. Exactly. And it can feel almost boring because that's not what we're used to, mm. even though that's what high school is like. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's just being being so respectful of the teenage experience and and the explorations of identity, which is literally what I wrote my thesis about, so of course I'm going to love that. Mm. That's what I love about this show, and I also think it's really brilliantly interwoven with a lot of gender politics stuff. A lot there's, you know, there's a little bit of racial stuff in there a little bit later on with Ricky. Mm. Um, they do do, like, issues, but they never really solve them, which is interesting. Um, yeah, but I like that. Yes. I really enjoy when issues aren't not ignored or, or forgotten about, but not resolved. Exactly. Because you don't get to resolve all your issues. Exactly. Especially exactly. in one episode, which is meant to take place over a few days. Mm. And then there's, the, and then of course there's LGBTQAI stuff. Also with Ricky, mm. he is sort of left with the burden to carry both the racial stuff and the they the are, sexuality stuff. It's been a while that that's only just started not being lumped together. It's yes. like here's the diversity role. Yes, and that um, is a real shame, and yes. I, I wish it were different. Um, it this was, was in 1994. So that's a big deal in itself, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so I so think that's I should, why I love it. So yes. Um, I, 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 I really, I really am surprised how much more understanding I have of the episode out of this conversation. Yeah, right. Um, and it's made me respect the show a lot more, mm -hmm. but it's also making the rating really hard for me <laughs> because we're meant to rate it on the episode, right? Yeah. We can't really rate it on the potential of what we know is going to happen before or after. Correct. Did you watch the episode twice, just out of curiosity? Yes. Okay. I just, um, for, for ages I thought Sharon's hair was blonde the last time I saw it. Uh, no, it's always been, been that dark. kind of, yeah, I mean, it's relatively light brown. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know how I love that it's got that 90s feel and it's four by three. Yes. And oh my gosh, opening titles. The opening titles are horrific. Oh, but, but I kind of love it. It almost reminds me of another show that we did, which might happen in later in the season. But we'll talk about that. I think the time. actual the clip, the clip, the way that they all kind of come together, I really enjoy. It's just the music that I don't like. I kind of like. I I miss an old school credit sequence, not with people turning and looking and smiling at the camera, but I with, love that. But it's with so clips, bad. clips from the show that sort of sell who each of these characters are and show. Just show what the show is. Instead of being a clip where they happen to be looking just off camera, where it's like, this is my body profile, so you can acknowledge what I look like. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, I... Out of this conversation, I would give it a four. A four? But 
out of my viewing of the episode and how I felt watching the episode, I would still say a two. Okay, that's good. So I think this is this is this is one of those you know why we don't have a three, and I'm really yeah, glad yeah. we don't have a three because it forces us to make a hard decision. Yeah. Um, I, I it's so close. I think to being one. Yeah. Um. But it wasn't until you opened my eyes a bit more up to the show and I know what the show does further on that I would give it that rating. So I respect this show so much more now and I get it. Yeah. And the thing is... But but also it would be nice if you got it just from the episode and not without my meta commentary. Yes, yes. And that's the thing. But I think that's a bit of social conditioning. I think that's a bit of social conditioning in terms of what high school dramas I'm used to. Yes, which is is part of why I want people to watch this show, (laughs) because you can learn that high school drama can be great. (laughs) Even though it's only got one season. Also, but there are episodes in here that I also don't like. Mm -hmm. There are episodes Mm -hmm. in this show that I do not like. No, but that's, that's, no show is perfect. Yes. I don't think any show should be perfect, but... And that's the thing. It isn't. It isn't perfect for me. That's why it's not a four. Which is why I would love to for you to watch the whole thing so that we I can might. sit down and have a greater conversation about like I love this element of it, but this part or that episode was just so that was so boring, and there was a bit too much of a lesson happening there, mm. and I wish that that hadn't happened. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, if you want no. to give it a two, I think a two is much better than I was expecting. So. Yeah. No. No. I think it's higher than I rated it the last time. Yeah. I think you only get. I, you might have given yeah. it a zero. I can't I, remember. I, 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 I probably don't give out zeros very often because I find it hard to be mean, (laughs) but also you pick good shows generally. Mm. Um, but, uh, I probably think I only gave it a one, but, um, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely going to give this a go. And is the first episode a struggle or is it a good episode? No, I think the first episode is good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Because we've had that in the past where uh, it almost feels like a success story and then I just struggle in the first few There are a few in there that are a struggle Mm. and I will happily let you know which ones they are so that when you get to them, you're prepared. Yeah, I might, might, like, keep you up to date where I'm at. Yeah. So you can kind of help me through it. Yes. Even just a little bit of support. Yes. You're like, come on, Kurt, you can do it. Yeah, just Just think about how good this can be. Move through it. Just take a deep breath. Because I really want to give the show a go. Yeah. And I think that it actually surprisingly for a show in 1994 still has a lot to say about the high school experience. I think it does too. And I, I would love for storytelling to come back to this a little bit. Mm, mm. I think it's, I think we, as much as I love my Riverdale with all of its highfalutin drama, I do kind of feel like we could take a couple steps. I've even stopped watching Riverdale as a guilty pleasure. I can't even bother anymore. I mean, I haven't watched this week's episode yet, but I'm, I still like it a lot. Actually, I still like it. I don't necessarily <laughs> like it a lot right now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's, that's I've been waiting to find out how they deal with Luke Perry. Right. Anyway. So, uh, now that you've given that two eyes, mm. what has been in your eye this week? Well, Jane, what's been in my eye this week is uh, not the show Huge, but Huge in France. Okay. So, this is a show about a, a French comedian called Gad, who actually is a real-life French comedian, uh, but he comes back to America where his son, who he's been an estranged father, who, because he's in France, uh, to kind of get to know his son. And his son is, uh, you know, 16 years old and trying to break into the male model business. Mm -hmm. And it's very Hollywood, LA, this kind of over-the-top mother who's like an Instagram health wellness person and a retired actor who is coaching 
the stepdad who's coaching this this son through everything and they're like these perfect specimens of men and he's just like no idea how he can compete and struggle with this but it's ultimately this interesting um the translation of how much things you could be a huge success in one country and then you come to america or a different country especially if there's a language difference and you're just nobody yeah you could have all the money in the world mm. you you go from one place where you are essentially a god yeah and then you come to a different location and then you're pavement your scum on the side of the street mm. and it's really interesting to see him try to be a good father but he has no idea how to do it and the way that he has gotten everything through life is through success and through his money and so he starts manipulating the family to try and get in with the son but he's almost harming the family as a result of doing this and he's got a little assistant who's like in a shitty car and living out of his car and like barely he could afford so much better but just like even just like getting visas and translation the the difficulty of of, of this between two countries is, is almost made it an entertaining aspect and he's kind of like his little sidekick who keeps around because he's entertaining he's like okay just just talk to fox news and and you know l- let me get a, a casting agent for for this guy he's like i can't just call fox <laughs> uh and it's just like it's it's very interesting to see that shift and I'm really enjoying it, but it's also, I'm struggling to watch it at this point. I was binging it for a little bit, but then about fifth episode in, I'm like, gosh, I don't like the central character. Like, I, I, like, I, I know that, like, he, this is the way, what he was used to. He, he kind of had things handed to him. He kind of almost got bored with his success and having everything at his fingertips. And it feels like and his, um, the mother of his child almost hit the nail on the head in the first or second episode. She's like... This isn't about him. This isn't about your son. This is about you wanting to be that person for your son. And I love when a central character is really flawed, almost to the point that they might be the villain of the story. Yeah, right. So that's what I'm enjoying. But it's actually becoming hard to watch now because I'm seeing the disastrous effects it's actually having on the family and that it would be better off if you didn't even come. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's interesting. It is and, interesting. And where, where are you watching that? Netflix. Netflix. Lovely. Yes. Uh, well, I would like to uh, tell you about a show that I've been watching. You and I have already discussed this off air. It's uh, a show that is a spin off of a bunch of other shows. That... Oh, I know this one. <laughs> uh, I recently have been obsessed with legacies. Which is of Vampire Diaries and the originals. That's right. That's right. So uh, I think perhaps last time, uh, a, a little while ago, we talked a little bit about the Vampire Diaries and how, you know, we've we've both fallen off the wagon at some point. And I think I'd just gotten back on at this point. I think so. Last time we spoke about it on the air, um, I've since gone back and watched all of, like, the rest of the Vampire... This is the way I did this. Yeah. I watched the rest of the Vampire Diaries... And then I watched the last two seasons of the originals, having never seen any of the originals. There are five seasons of the originals. Um, And then I went back and watched from the beginning of the originals up to where I just started watching the originals. (laughs) And then I went back and watched from the beginning of the Vampire Diaries up to where I had started watching the Vampire Diaries. Before Legacy? No, so this is after I'd seen like the first two or three episodes of Legacy. And you were waiting for the next to come out? Oh, I mean, I didn't watch it all in a week. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just, you know, as the as they were coming out, 
Right, yeah. Actually, I think I took a break. That's right. I took a break from watching Legacies so that I could catch up on all of the originals and all of the Vampire Diaries because it was a little bit confusing. Um, not <laughs> As confusing. As a spin-off show, I'm not surprised that there's some things... They actually do quite well at being like... Their own? Well, they sort of do things like they'll refer very, very offhandedly to the past and generally that what happened in the past doesn't directly relate to that plot line. So you can not watch mm. Vampire Diaries or the originals and most of the time totally be up to speed with what's happening on Legacies. You don't need it. But. They explain it enough that it doesn't matter, but I think it all has more resonance if you watch it. And you get it. a little bit more. You get a little bit more, mm. and that's why. So Legacies, it's not necessarily the best quality show, but I'm, I've, for some reason, hyper-fixated on one of the characters. Is it the central one? It's the central character, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, I don't know why, but I... One of my co-workers is kind of really in love with her. I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I relate to her. Mm. I don't Certainly I don't have the tragic backstory that she has. Because I've never liked the central characters of... Well, the central character of Vampire Diaries or of the originals. I've liked the people around them yeah. a little bit. Never the central character. The central character is so interesting and complicated and flawed and... I just love it. And and the show itself is also fun. It's really fun. It's how, way more fun. Than how that. Xavier's Mansion is it like? Um, it's a little bit Xavier's Mansion. In a good way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's less... I mean, there, there's not all sorts of different powers, powers going no, on because no, 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 no. they're all vampires, werewolves, or witches. Um, but that's one thing I miss from the movies is I would like to see... Here we go again. The high school dynamic of what yes. that would actually be like. Yes. I hope when uh, MCU finally do X-Men, yep. they actually give it a chance to live a little bit more there instead of in the um, spectacle. Yeah, they probably the won't. But on. I no, like it. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they sort of did that with Spider-Man, though. So yeah, maybe. no, no, this is, it, it, uh, Spider-Man. I, oh, my gosh, it's coming out soon. <laughs> or could be out by now at the time you're listening to this. Will be out <laughs> probably by the time you're listening to this. Um, however, um... I only I I I watched Vampire Diaries up to the point where the spin-off happened and I started watching them uh side by side. Yeah. And it was exhausting. Yeah, I don't think I, I would stopped. do that. I don't think I would well, do you, that. You trained me, Jane, with Buffy and Angel. Different different <laughs> different situations. Um anyway, so I don't want you to watch Legacies yet, because I think we should do it as a media look. Oh yeah, don't worry. I want I don't want to watch Legacies until I've given originals a bit more of a go. Yeah, because do I, that. I'm very interested in originals. At least watch the last two seasons of the originals. <laughs> I, I can't do that, Jane. <laughs> I, I would, yeah, personally. I did, yeah. in fact. Um, but I, cause I didn't enjoy the originals until I knew where it was leading. I'm just... Um, because my I, whole problem is that I hate that they are such villainous characters. Mm. It's why I really struggled to watch it in the first place. I was like, I don't want to see my protagonists literally ripping people apart on the rag. Mm, I'm fine with it. But once I kind of saw where it was all going to lead, and I was like, okay, now I know what their character arcs are going to be. Then I was kind of okay with it. I think I know who the central character is. Is the central character the baby? Yeah. Oh, right. She's all grown up. Oh. Anyway, um, I like the New Orleans aspect of it. Like, I'm liking this. I like the setting of the originals. Yeah, I think they lean on the setting a bit too much. But anyway, we probably shouldn't um, (laughs) go too far into a Vampire Diaries Originals Legacies haul, because I could be here forever. That's quite a guilty pleasure of ours, but it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. It's fun. All right. That's probably about it for this episode. I think so. Um, Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple iTunes or whatever the 
podcast app is called. Um, you can find our entire back catalogue on the That's Not Canon website and possibly in other places, probably Stitcher and maybe Spotify. Don't know yet. Um, we will let you know. Also, thank you so much for listening and bearing with us, especially right through the end that we just started going on a bit of a rant there. Yes. But that's what this show is about, TV shows. And we're trying to make sure we talk and rant about TV shows yes. in particular. Yes. But, you know, I think it's important that we do bring our personal lives and we're relevant to the TV show. Yes. So thank you very much again. We really appreciate you. Please come back again next week where we will talk about some fabulous other television show. Not too sure what that's going to be yet. No. And other than that, have a great week. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Come back and listen to us next week. Next week. Next week. Next week. Come back and listen to us next week. Hey, I'm trying to make this a clean edit here. Sorry, I, I want you to keep it next week, please. No, absolutely oh, not. No, oh, maybe I'll put it in the bloopers. Okay. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.